Welcome back. You're watching uh, Stock Picks, and today we unpack Argent, uh, Jim Fields, and Huliman with Financial Mayor's Mark Hassanfis. Mark, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today. Good to be here. All right. Uh, three industrials, maybe well, two industrials and a mine. Talk to us about why you've gone with these counters today, Mark. Um, look, the common denominator is uh, they're all on very, very low and modest uh, earnings multiples. Two of them pay, I'd say, pretty good dividends. Um, the third, sort of a debt issue, but potential dividend payer too if things go right. So I like these as yield plays and as very modestly rated companies. They're not expensive and I think all in pretty decent shape. Let's start off uh, by speaking about Huliman, and that's only because they released a set of numbers yesterday, and so it's all fresh in our minds, uh, uh, Mark. What what makes this uh, a worthy counter? In my mind, uh, you know, aluminium is one of those products that's uh, got so many interesting input costs that might normally weigh in a high-cost environment like the one we're seeing now. Yeah. Okay. There's been a bit of a change at Huliman. Mm. I mean, previously... Um, it was regarded as an undervalued uh, counter, uh, but what happened is things kept going wrong. Every six months, there'd be a setback. Um, to be kind of frank, I think with the previous management, they never got to grips with the costs. They never got to grips with um, simplifying the business, doing the obvious things. It seemed like there were some legacy issues that kept lingering. There's an, an acting CEO called Jeff Watson. I got to be impressed by this guy. I saw a TV interview with him recently, um, this week, in fact, and he, he turned up in his in, a, in an overall, you know. Okay. <laughs> he was just trying to emphasize that, you know, they're not in glass towers. They, they're in the factory right. working. Um, mm. It's a fantastic advert for the company, and I think that's what it's about. He simplified the business. He's taking costs out. He's focusing on the right products. That's the canning lines, which are very profitable for them. And, um, you know, the, it, it's showing a good yields at the moment. I think Huliman did very well. I thought the results were, were strong. Um, it, it looks like it's going to get a bit softer in the, in the coming months. But I still think good earnings for the year. And I think it's sustainable. I, I'm saying that touch wood because with Huliman, as I say, things just tend to go wrong. So I quite like Huliman going forward. I think it's extremely cheap. Um, I think if you look at the plant, they've got sophisticated, the, the only rolling mill in Africa. So... Yes, it's it, it's it's very it's an undervalued play, but you might have to sit a while until the market recognizes things and, and takes a share. I'm also keen to find out, uh, considering just where a NAMPAC is, does this give Huliman a bit of an edge? Uh, you know, because they're of course not battling uh, debt issues; they're not trying to get into a right issue. Uh, they may have uh, challenges, like all businesses do at this time, uh, but they can at least uh, go and really, for instance, uh, uh, you know, attack an industry like the beverage cans industry uh, with more conviction. Yes, look, I mean, that is their sweet spot, um, you know, because they can recycle into that business. Um, it's good, good, strong, solid consumer demand. Uh, it's not going to fade away too much. Um, and in good times, it's going to be a very good business for them. Mm. Um, you know, you, you mentioned NAMPAC and a rights issue. No, Uliman's not in that situation mm. at all. The difference between Uliman and NAMPAC is that I think, um, I don't think anyone's looking to take over NAMPAC, but I think Uliman currently where it's positioned, you know, could be a takeover target. It was a takeover target about, a, I think it might have been 18 months, two years ago, and it fell away. I think it went into COVID and there were delays and all kinds of things. But I think, um, yeah, someone could look at Uliman. It's, it's a great little business. And, you know, to, rep to, to replace all their machinery and their costs, impossible. It's, uh, their plant is worth far more than the share price. So very interesting years ahead, I think. 
What was interesting is yesterday when they released their results, uh, Mark, they spoke about really taking advantage of the circular economy and how that has been a game changer for them, just the ability to recycle. And I'm just wondering uh, what took so long for that to, you know, hop onto the way that they do things, considering that we've been recycling cans for ages. Yeah, look, I think... Uh you know they haven't they haven't started this too long ago, but I think they've. I didn't see the latest figures, but I th- I know that I can't remember the percentage, but it's it, they are doing a lot of recycling and it's it's making a meaningful difference in their business. I think it's got some traction. Um, I think the last set of results they they mentioned some interesting stats and it it, it certainly is benefiting them. Um, but you know you know you think of cans picking cans up. It, you know it seems like a laborious exercise to be honest. But I suppose if they get systems in place that. Mm can ensure they get critical mass in something like that, it'll, it'll make a big difference to the margin. Very interesting. I'm keen also to find out about Argent. I think uh, this is certainly one that we don't hear about uh, often, uh, Mark. So talk to us about it. And also just uh, impressed for, I'm, I'm impressed at least by just how well diversified this business is. Yeah, look, Argent is a, a small industrial concern. It's, it's, you know, it's not the biggest company in the world. It's got some well-known names, Expander, you know, the security doors. It's got Jetmaster. If you've got a fireplace, you might have a Jetmaster. Cast and Ladders, very specialist business. Um, they own a quarry in Villiersdorp, and they've got a mega mix cement plant. And a lot of, a lot of it is steel cutting and steel beneficiation. Um, it's very rough and ready, to be honest. The, the, the secret thing with, with Argent is it's got this offshore operation, which is not – it's many businesses really they make trolleys for, for warehousing um gates door parts for pete's sake um so it's very specialist and then also fuel fuel uh, systems which uh especially for the aviation industry but put together this business actually now makes a lot of money i think mm-hmm. the last figures i saw i'm just checking my notes mm-hmm. i think offshore made a billion rand sure. and 170 million in operating profit so that's a very decent margin in mm-hmm. fact it's far more profitable than south africa mm-hmm. so it's a changing business and I think there's a potential for, for value unlock here in separating local and offshore, but I, I think that is still in years to come. We have seen the CEO uh, come out to really uh, have a big moan at the South African government here. <laughs> you know, it's something that really stands out uh, when you uh, do some research here. But of course, uh, it has caused them to look elsewhere, Mark. And I don't know if this is a bad thing to diversify ge- ge- geographically uh, from South Africa. Yeah, look, you know, I think we've seen companies diversify and take too big a bite and come short. As I said before, they've made small, small acquisitions, very manageable, and they haven't stretched the balance sheet, so there's no big risk. And these, these businesses make money already. Um, you know, the, the comments about South Africa, um, I'm not all sure why those comments are. I think, you know, over the years I've come across some colorful CEOs that didn't hold back. I remember Doug de of Lenko in the old days. Mm-hmm. But I think um, Mr. Henry's a little more forthright, to be honest. And um, I'm not sure that helps the company because I'm sure people do see those kind of things. But I think he, you know, he's, he's been in a tough industry. And I suppose he's seen it all. And I suppose a level of frustration there as well. Um, and I, I guess, as he says, the, the further expansion of the group is, is definitely going to be offshore. Let's talk Gemfields now. Uh, very interesting because a big part of the way that they make their revenue is by way of auction. Um, it's a very interesting uh, way in which, uh, you know, you're able to tell what the market value of your product is. Uh, talk to us about this, uh, this counter, Mark. Yeah, so that's interesting what you just mentioned, the auction. So it's, it's, a, it's a mining company, but it's, it's not coupled to a commodity price. Mm. 
you know, they dig out their gems, they dig out their emeralds, they're in Mozambique and Zambia, and they put those in auction, and the price they get for them, that's the price. So it's a little bit different to a, a normal mining business if you were, say, selling ferrochrome or, you know, platinum, something like that. Um, yeah, it's got a very, very checkered history, Gemfields. It started off as Pallinghurst, which was run by Brian Gilbertson, Gilbertson originally, and it never really got off the ground. It was a diversified miner. It had all kinds of interest, platinum. I think it was manganese as well. Um, so this is a, a refinement of the old model. And to be quite honest, it's, it's working quite well now. I think they, you know, it's, it's got a strong balance sheet. Um, you know, the last time I looked, I think the cash pile was about 2.4 billion. They paid a very generous dividend last year. And I'm kind of praying um, that they pay the same one this year because it's uh, they've got all the cash and they're doing well in their auctions. The other thing is they've got some very strong shareholders. Uh, Christo Visa is still there. Mm. Um, the the Sacco family, which used to run Assol, or still run Assol, um, the, the manganese mine, they in there as well. And I saw recently 91 buying some shares and then the boutique value players, uh, Rosendahl Partners, bought a, quite a big stake. I think they're up to over 11%. So there is interest in the counter at last, because it's been very neglected. I mean, it's, I think people have just ignored it. You can see by the share price, still, it's um, you know, it's it's not trading at an excessive rating. I think it's less than five times the earnings. So hopefully, one that's going to come more into into the uh, into the limelight. What's interesting also is it's a precious stone a mine, and in my mind, Mark, I don't know where that sits in terms of demand. I've always known diamonds to be a girl's best friend, but of course, uh, there is a market <laughs> here for uh, you know uh, some coloured stones. Yeah, look, it looks like a very strong market for the mm. in the jewelry market. I mean, they themselves own the Fabergé trademark, mm -hmm. so they know a bit about the luxury business. And yes, I think for luxury um, bracelets and I suppose watches and all kinds of necklaces, they do use the the rubies and the, and, and the emeralds. I mean, they they high quality stones. They fetch a good price, and they they are precious stones. So that like diamonds. Um, hopefully, they can't be manufactured manufactured synthetically. Yes. Um, <laughs> give them a bit of an edge. Now I must ask you, uh, from a retail uh, investor's perspective, Mark, in what order would you, uh, you know, buy these uh, these stocks? Um, I think I would probably keep Gemfields on the top. I'm I'm very um, hopeful about it. A, a nice dividend, and I like that. And I think the share is cheap. Mm -hmm. um, I think Argent potential value value unlock in the in the in the future. Um, and then Uleman is a, a watch and wait, uh, a, a good watch and wait. I mean. And then I must also ask you for the um, educational uh, segment for today, and that's the term for our retail investors to keep learning about our space, Mark. It's a very, very interesting one. I think actually you tell us about it. All right, this is an old one. Mm. So when I started as <laughs> journalism, I started before there were sends and before there was the internet. Mm -hmm. So you, you pick up rumors on the street when I worked in Diagonal oh. Street, people would talk. Wow. Um, but the one thing I learned, obviously, was I made mistakes, was uh, a key phrase that is, wherever there's a tip, there's a tap. Yeah. So that really just means um, if someone's tipping a share, mm -hmm. they're potentially looking to sell their shares to, to you as a buyer. <laughs> and I suppose these days with social media, Twitter, and people just talking about shares all over the place, just uh, worthwhile being a little bit skeptical sometimes about mm -hmm. why people are saying certain things, especially if it's um, if they can't back it up, really. It's just rumor. And if there's one thing there is, uh, Mark, it's this very big, very uh, well-informed social media um, markets watches and market commentators. It can actually it be difficult to comb through uh, what's true and what isn't and what you should probably be uh, focusing on. Yeah, some of the things are very authoritative, I see. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, well, it's all good. It makes for a good market. Wonderful, Mark. It's always a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon.
And that was your financial mails, Mark Hassan. This was your Tuesday edition of Stock Picks. And that's where I leave things with you this afternoon. Tonight is back with the close at half past five tonight. But until then, stay tuned for lots more coming up right here on Business Day TV.